Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, and this show is going to be a little bit different, but I hope really entertaining and enlightening. Of course, the 2021 NFL schedule was released a week ago, so I've asked a really good friend of mine, Nico Tan, to join me and talk about it. But the reason I wanted Nico to join me in particular is because he is the mastermind, or was the mastermind, behind the 2019 schedule release video that the Falcons put out that went viral. You know, it was the one based on the Game of Thrones intro sequence, and Nico was the guy kind of behind all of it. So we talked about how that came together, what makes a good schedule release video. And of course, I also asked uh, for his opinions on this year's schedule release content from around the league and and what his favorite videos were. But first, uh, here are my thoughts on the Falcon schedule. And, you know, I was part of this as well when the schedule would be released and you would start looking at what are the make or break moments on the schedule. But I kind of feel like we need to stop doing that until at least there are reasonable expectations around what a team can accomplish. You know, yes, it makes sense for the Green Bay Packers or the Buffalo Bills or, you know, Tampa Bay to be sitting here looking at, all right, these are our hard games on the schedule because, frankly, they are in a position where they expect to be winning a lot of their easy games. I don't know if we can say that about the Falcons. And so while you can look at the end of the year stretch, which if if this was 2017 and everything else about the league coming into this year was the same, but the Falcons were coming off of their 2017 season, we'd be looking at weeks 14 through 18 and just already having that circled as that's the biggest part of the schedule. Week 14 at Carolina, week 15 at San Francisco, week 16 versus Detroit. That's kind of your one easy game in there or supposed to be your one easy game. Week 17 at Buffalo, it's going to be freezing cold there. That's going to be one of the coldest games that the Falcons have played in a long time. You know, I think back, this was maybe the 2004 season when Atlanta went up to Chicago late in the year and a lot of the Falcons players, I remember Deion or D'Angelo Hall, D'Angelo Hall wearing like short sleeves. A lot of the Falcons defenders were wearing short sleeves because they wanted to show that the cold wouldn't get to them. But it was something like, I don't know, two degrees at kickoff there. I mean, we're going to be talking that type of weather in week 17 and then week 18 at home versus New Orleans. That's an awesome stretch of football if you are in contention. But is Atlanta going to be in contention? So instead of looking at kind of the later parts of the schedule, I think that it's smart to just sit here and say you want to play yourself at least into being relevant by the midpoint of the season. These past couple of years, when you start 0-5 or you start 1-4, Yeah, when the schedule comes out, you may look at that Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Tampa Bay sandwich to end the year like was the case last year. But when you're out of it, by the time your bye week rolls around, none of that really matters. So instead, I'd argue that for this year, the most important stretch is actually weeks three through five. And those are probably the least flashy trio of opponents. Week three, you're at the New York Giants. Week four, you come home for a matchup against the Washington football team. And then week five, you're in London hosting the New York Jets. Those are not three, like, usually you leave the schedule release day with those circled type of games. 
But if this team is going to be worth investing in for the 2021 season, those are games that they have to win. They have to prove that they can beat the teams that are on their level before we should start believing that they really can make a run at a deep and talented NFC. So that's where it's almost counterintuitive, but that's where my mind went is you have to beat the bad teams and then prove that you can handle the adversity of going over to London and just all of the logistical stuff that comes with playing an overseas game. You know, when do you travel? Do you bring the family? Are the players allowed to get out of the hotel room and and sightsee? Or are you kind of keeping everybody locked down? The focus is football, yada, yada, yada. That stretch weeks three and three through five will really tell me a lot about how much should I invest in this team for 2021. Now let's move over to kind of my favorite matchups, because I think there's one game in here that will be really telling for 2022. So I think my third favorite game on this schedule is going to be that week seven matchup against Miami. Miami will actually be coming off of their London game. But while the Falcons have a bye after they head overseas, Miami is elected not to have a bye. So they'll come back from London and then the next week play Atlanta. Miami has a really good defense. I know a lot of the talk has been on the quarterback situation with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua over there. But their defense is quietly one of the best in the AFC, if not the league. And so that should be a really early fun game pitting Atlanta's offense, which probably should be getting in midseason form uh, coming off of that bye week in week seven. So that could be a true strength on strength. Then we'll fast forward. My second matchup that I really want to look forward to is once again in San Francisco. And I know Atlanta won there a couple of years ago when they really weren't expected to, but I'm looking at this as a little bit of a barometer game to see what, how did that team play against a, you know, a not dissimilar San Fran team. But the key here is that by this point, I expect Trey Lance to be playing. And I want to see how Dean Pease, particularly on defense, will scheme up pressures to affect a Kyle Shanahan offense run by Trey Lance. And so that'll be really fascinating just from a pure schematic standpoint. And then the barometer game that I'm looking at is week 17 at Buffalo. That's going to be incredibly cold. I mean, I already mentioned it. It's going to be nuts. But I want to see what kind of mental makeup does this team have at that point in the year? They could be playing for something. And if they are, I fully expect, again, Buffalo to be in contention. I I don't think they've gotten any worse this offseason. And I kind of like the moves that they've made. So you could be fighting for a spot against a legitimate contender and maybe Buffalo has stuff wrapped up by then. And this isn't as fun of a matchup as it looks right now. But even if you're not in contention, I want to see how the team fares in this one, just from a mental standpoint, do they want to be there? Do they want to take it to the best on their home turf when it is negative five degrees outside and the wind is howling or are they just really happy and ready for the season to be over? Uh, And so the way that they approach this game regardless of the context, I think will be very telling for how we should enter the offseason and which way the arrow is pointing in Atlanta. Finally, I know a lot of people talked about the primetime games. That's one of the reasons you get excited about a schedule release is just to see when when you're playing. The Falcons only have one kind of true primetime game, and it is the Thursday night game against New England. And every yes, we're going to be hearing about 28 to three for an entire week in the lead up to that. But primetime's often a reflection of the previous year or the previous couple of years. It's why Green Bay has an absurd amount of primetime games, even after the Aaron Rodgers stuff comes 
down because the past two years they've been in the NFC championship game. They've been playing really, really well. And the other part of this is that later in the year now, your games can be flexed. So if the Falcons are playing in, you know, in contention and they're playing, you know, really well and and maybe best case scenario is unfolding for Atlanta, I would look at maybe one or two of those later games getting flexed, maybe not to a true primetime game, but, you know, maybe they get kicked back to a 405 kickoff and you get a little bit more of a footprint in the weekend. So, you know, don't worry about that too much. Uh, yes, it's fun to see your teams, but everybody will be able to watch all the games they want to watch. That's the most important thing. Um, but now let's find out, you know, about the process inside of a digital media team in the NFL when schedule release week is upon you. Here's my conversation with Nico. I am very excited to now be joined by my former coworker, Nico Tan, who is now a digital content coordinator with the Chicago Bulls, but was formerly a social engagement specialist with the Atlanta Falcons. You can find him on Twitter at the Nico Tan. And I'm also going to plug his Instagram project that he's working on because he's trying to get better at photography. And you can find him on Instagram at photo Nico. Nico, what's up, man? I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. Well, I'm glad you introduced me as a friend first before the <laughs> work stop because, uh, yeah, I just told you, I'm going to treat this like a phone call. I'm good, dude. I just, uh, uh, you mentioned I worked for the Bulls. Our season ended uh, less than 24 hours ago. I took the first flight in the morning back to go back home to Florida. So I just got here maybe an hour ago. But I feel good, dude. I, I, I obviously love the Falcons and I don't get to talk about it enough. Did you have a favorite team coming coming up when you were growing up in Florida? No, I did not, which is why I like, even though I'm no longer with the Falcons, like that's, that's my squad, dude. Um, growing up, I was a fantasy football person. So I followed players, not necessarily teams, but yeah, I'm a Falcons fan in Chicago. So the bulls, like you mentioned, just finished, uh, their season finished 11th, missed the playoffs, but it's, so you started with the bulls kind of about a year and a half ago. And it's been crazy since then in the NBA as it is everywhere else, you know, COVID hit. The NBA was probably the smartest league with everything kind of getting the bubble, getting the playoffs back in a year because they were in midseason when everything went down. And obviously the Rudy Gobert microphone touching stuff really, I think, shocked everybody into understanding how big COVID could potentially be. And that happened. And then a new season hit right around the corner, jumped right into it. The Bulls were competitive there for a little bit. What's it been like, I guess, quickly just being in the NBA compared to being in the NFL? It's been, uh, it's been different, dude. It's, it's the NFL is from the NBA. I don't think that's anything groundbreaking, but <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is the schedule, which is very, <laughs> which is very obvious in the NFL, you play one game a week for the Falcons. It's usually at 1 PM at Mercedes-Benz stadium or, you know, somewhere else, um, on a Sunday and that's it. And, uh, the NBA, in the NBA, we have at minimum three, sometimes five games in a single week, and they're all at night. It is a it is a different beast. And I honestly thought I'd be more prepared for it. Um, I did not grow up a fan of an a NFL team, but I was a big Orlando Magic fan growing up. So the NBA was my first love, but it's been a, it's been a grind for sure. And I, I'm super happy to... <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people can say they've been a part of 
in NBA and an NFL franchise, but the schedule off the bat is a different beast. We have this rookie, um, Patrick Williams, who I think is going to be awesome. A lot of people compare him to Kawhi Leonard if you haven't watched him. 19 years old, dude. Only 19 years old. He's starting in the NBA, and he's playing uh, in, in the whole month of March. We had a game every other day. There was not one day in the month of March when we had a, two days off. Which nuts. And this is a 19 year old kid, like, like, uh, like playing, like playing against like grown men. He's guarding LeBron James. He's guarding Giannis. He's guarding uh, the best guys on the other team. And like, I obviously don't play. And like, I get, I get tired just, uh, you know, just being a part of the ride, but, it, but, it, but it, it's, a, uh, it is kind of, it is awesome to be a part of, but that would be the main difference for sure. It's the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I remember talking to uh, some rookies in the locker room after one of the seasons, and I kind of just was really curious to see why the rookie wall was a thing. Uh, and going and talk, I think I talked to Keanu about this and maybe Deidre and Sonata or, or somebody, but they were basically like, yeah, what people don't realize is you finish your college season and then you go right into training for the combine and your off season doesn't exist. In fact, you kind of go even harder during training than you normally would maybe during a, a preseason or something like that. And then you jump right into the NFL stuff. And so it's a full like 18 months of just activity. So I can't even imagine, you know, he, he's a rookie, but he jumps into this kind of truncated season where they are trying to get just every other day, there's a game and, and you're having to compete at an entirely different level. So I can imagine that, I mean, I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, so well, I remember I was, I was in the, I was talking with the, one of our rookies a couple of weeks ago, uh, Devon Dotson, who um, undrafted out of Kansas, um, was a leader of a Kansas Jayhawks basketball team that I think would have went pretty far in the NCAA, NCAA tournament, tournament if it wasn't for March Madness. Um, he was undrafted. Um, the Bulls did not have a G League season with the Windy City Bulls, so he played a little bit in the bubble with some other teams. But I saw him uh, one day and I asked him like how he was doing. And uh, because I was tired, I asked him like, like how I asked him how he was adjusting to uh, NBA life. And he said, he was like, bro, I'm not even playing. And I, I I'm, I'm tired. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's just different. Uh, in college, I know it's, we're talking college basketball, but you, they play two games a week or something. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a total, totally big adjustment. And if you think about the rookies from both NBA and NFL, like the, well, I, I, I'm not sure how it looked in the NFL, but in the NBA, like there was uh, no summer league, which is a big deal. There was a very shortened training camp, very shortened preseason. There was only four preseason games. Um, yeah, so they just like, jumped right into it. Yeah, it's like that's, I think <laughs> that would be hard for anyone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a- any teenager or in the NFL, you know, 20, 21 year old that's, you know, figuring it out on the fly. Um, like just being able to go finish a season and have some sort of success, I think, um, is very noteworthy. Yeah. I mean, it'd uh, it'd be like starting, starting any job right before like the busiest part of that company's year. You know, there's not a lot of ramp up time. There's not a lot of, it's all like on the job training a little bit before you eventually get the reps and you can do it at a high level. And speaking of, of doing it at a high level, the reason I asked you on here is because you know, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but 
but you're a little bit of a celebrity to some and may, they may, may not even know who, uh, who was responsible for that Game of Thrones schedule release video that the Atlanta Falcons put out before the 2019 season that, that went viral. And, and Nico, I mean, I remember sitting in kind of that initial brainstorm session and you brought that idea to the table, literally in the break room. And I mean, just from there, it, it went off and running. What do you remember about that experience? What I know it was somebody who you saw their work on maybe YouTube and you were like, this guy does awesome stuff. We always talked about Game of Thrones in the offices. I'm sure everybody did it in every office across America. So it just kind of seemed like a natural fit, but take us through that whole process from brainstorm to finished product. So first of all, very nice of you to say. I, I came up with the initial idea and led some of it, but what my favorite part about that project, the Game of Thrones schedule release. Um, well, one, a couple of things. One, I don't know if you remember. I, I remember this fairly vividly, but I remember, you know, when we were working together at the Falcons, you came by my cube and you mentioned something about the Game of Thrones intro. And I think I was trying to think, and this was like January. The schedule comes out, what, March, April? Yeah, um, April. April, um, right before the draft, at least that year. Um you mentioned something about game of the, the intro. And I think I was just thinking of schedule release at that same moment. And then it kind of just clicked in my brain. I don't know if you even remember that. I mean, it sounds like any typical day, honestly. <laughs> oh yeah. Just, just talking random stuff. Shooting the um, shit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I wasn't sure if we could curse on here. Oh dude. Uh, definitely. Okay. With, with, with that, I, I think about, so I would even go back a little bit before. So I think, I don't know how many NFL fans really care about the creative side of the NFL schedule release. Um, I'm sure all, all NBA, NFL fans look forward to like um, the schedule coming out, seeing which games are, are, are coming out first, making their, you know, booking their flights or their trips or buying season tickets, whatever it is. During that time before the, the, the Falcons Game of Thrones schedule release. We had I had been a part of two previous schedule releases, and I was just starting to see that for NFL social media teams, it was a competition. It was mm-hmm. a creative competition to see who can ball out and flex their creative creative muscles for this big what we call tentpole moment. But it's a big moment for everybody in the NFL, right? Um, so I remember after the first two. And they were and they were pretty solid. 2019 came around, and I'm a very competitive person. Um, I think <laughs> you know a lot of us are pretty competitive. I, I just remember I just wanted to win that. I just wanted to quote unquote win that schedule release. I wanted us to have the best one, and I think you know having the best one that that could be that could mean different things for different people. For me, I wanted us to have, you know, the one everybody was talking about. I think in 2018, the Houston Texans did like a, a backyard baseball schedule release and yeah. everybody was, and it was really cool. It was, it was dope. And I was like, man, like, I, like, I want us to be that. Like we have so many creative people around and um, I've always wanted to be on the best teams. I was like, I made it kind of a goal internally next year. Like let's have the best one. Um and then the, the Game of Thrones idea the using the intro video with the stadiums and stuff that, that came up. Um, yeah, talk about the, the collaboration because it was kind of like the idea, the central nugget of an idea, you know, kind of originated with you. 
And once everything got built out, that's when kind of the outside, we all started throwing in different ideas. And I feel like that's almost the best way to go about it is I'm a big fan of like the autorist, like one person's vision. And then maybe a few people later down the the line, like throwing in some creative observations or just something clicks in, in somebody else's brain and, and maybe they can throw in a different flavor. And I feel like that's really what took that video over the top is the original idea was awesome, but it, we were also kind of malleable enough to allow for some really awesome creative Easter eggs. So, you know, who, who really helped it in that fashion? Because I think that's what got it really viral was that moment, you know, when the Ram ran over the, the Saints marching band person and then the ref, you know, called off the penalty or, or when the S dropped from Saints to Aints or, or just like the different, I know I'm just mentioning Saints stuff, but they're the rivals. So that's what you got to do. But uh, how did that all come about? So what was, what was cool to me is the, I don't know how many people know this. I don't even know if this has been said publicly, but the person who came up with the idea to have the Ram knock over the Saint a la NFC championship, uh, pass interference, missed call. Uh, the person who, do you know who came up with that idea? There was one specific person. Was it, it Dan? Was, uh, it was Dan, Dan okay. Gad, our, our, our boss, the uh, director of digital. And that, that was a cool moment because when I initially, when I originally went into his office to pitch this game of Thrones idea, um, he had never seen Game of Thrones. And I wasn't sure if I could convince him that like, hey, like we should put our eggs into the, this basket, into like this pop culture phenomenon that you have not seen. Yeah, that's <laughs> so tough. So I remember he, 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 he mentioned that idea. I busted out laughing in, the, in his office. I was not sure that we could get that uh, approved when you, have, when, you work with the, when you work with any you know, professional sports organization. Just approvals are just a part of the process a lot of the time. and. Um, we got that part approved, but I mean, you mentioned it. What, what's cool for me, I mean, the, the video I think speaks for itself. It has, uh, I believe 20,000 retweets. I think my own internal goal for that video was like six to 8,000 retweets, um, which would have been double the backyard baseball engagement. I'm just a social media competitive nerd like that. I mean, that, um, but, but what's cool it. for me, what's, what's dope. And I, only the people who worked on it would would know is that with each little idea, each little detail in that video, you can point to somebody in the Falcons digital or PR team that came up with that little idea. When the Seahawks come up, there are these blue birds and they're holding the the twelves flag. That was a uh, Gabby from our PR team. Um, the, the you mentioned the Aints billboard where this S falls off and it says Aints right next to the the Superdome. That was Jenny from the video team. Like I, I, I watch the video and every time I watch it, I think about okay, like that was this person, that was that person. Like, like you said, everybody like contributed to it. It was mm -hmm. not, and it, it and I should mention it was designed by a very gifted artist from uh, Argentina. His name is Damien, uh, Damien Bosio, who uh, absolute genius. Um, that was the part I remember from that whole process was just you kind of up, keeping everybody updated with all right, like here's what Damien came up with this time and we would like gather around and be like, Oh man, that looks sick. And then I think you went through maybe like three or four different versions of that, where it kind of like the actual look of the thing changed a couple of different times to land like exactly on the final product. And, and I just thought it was really cool that you found this dude, Damien and you were like, 
no, this guy in Argentina. And I remember thinking like, how the hell did he find somebody in Argentina to make this video? But it worked out perfectly and it was amazing. And the piece in The Athletic that I read before schedule release said it was like cinematic quality. And, and I mean, that line definitely stuck out to me because I don't know if it was like full on cinematic quality, but it just definitely looked better and different than what other teams had previously done to that point. We found him on YouTube, bro. And I, when we came up with the idea and the vision for it, um, I mean, you watch the Game of Thrones, the real life intro. It's one of unequivocally the best intro videos of all time. And I believe, uh, was that show Bridgerton? They did a very similar intro, you know, with the animations and the stuff growing mm -hmm. out of other things and the buildings and stuff. I, I kind of knew like if we wanted this to be as good as we think it could be, we'd have to find somebody who specializes in this stuff. And we found this guy on YouTube who had made probably dozens of different Game of Thrones parodies or animations. He, he, all, he, all, he did not speak English. I had to communicate him with very, very simple Spanish. But yeah, it worked out. Like uh, He's the MVP of that project, uh, for sure. So we saw this year's crop of, of kind of schedule release videos. And, and that was interesting it, seeing how now it's kind of become an event. You know, you talked about wanting to do something for the tentpole moment, which was schedule release. But I almost now feel like the, the tentpole has, if not shifted, at least widened to not only include the release of the schedule itself, but now the schedule release videos. Like it almost feels like Christmas for social teams inside of the NFL. And now it's almost like if you don't have something incredibly creative, that it's a, a failure on a team's part. So we went through this this year's crop. I know you looked at all of them. You even set up a, a Twitter page for all of us to really easily find everything, which was very nice on your part. What are your top five? Ooh. Well, first of all, I thought this year was, was was pretty strong and it's been awesome to see how I feel like each year it's gotten a little bit better, 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 or more teams have been more thoughtful about how they put out their schedule release. Mm -hmm. um, super biased. I would definitely put the Falcons in the top five. Uh, they did the Gridiron Heights uh, collaboration. I thought, again, super biased, but who cares? I thought uh, that one was incredibly rewatchable. Yes. There are so many little Easter eggs. There are some Easter eggs I didn't see till, you know, the fifth or sixth time watching it. Like, uh, well, one, the Kyle Shanahan reference in there is amazing. <laughs> and then, for example, like Urban Meyer eating the pizza on the golf cart. I didn't see that until maybe the eighth time, like watching that video. I would put that top five. My favorite one, uh, and this was a theme I think you saw in this year's schedule releases with NFL teams. I thought the Dallas Cowboys one with the Post Malone, mm -hmm. Jerry Jones collaboration was awesome. Um, a lot of celebrity the, collaborations this year. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you, I mean, if you look at historically the schedule release videos, what, what is it, right? Like in the, typically it's, you know, it's a video and you reveal the opponents in different creative ways. One, I think that with the, with the Fal with the Falcons, uh, the Game of Thrones schedule released. I don't know if people realize this, but we did not show all the opponents. We very thoughtfully just picked what we considered the best matchups, mm -hmm. um, which at that year were 
you know, obviously the Saints twice, Eagles, Seahawks, uh, Vikings in, in their new stadium. Because you, um, you don't get the actual schedule. NFL teams don't until that morning. And so you kind of had to create yes. all these clips separately because you didn't know the order. So you're thinking Game of Thrones and now they're flying over the landscape. You didn't really know where they needed to fly next until that morning. So you create all of these as individual clips that you then splice together in the correct order in like three hours beforehand. So that makes it really hard. Very hard. And that's interesting because that's how typically a schedule release video goes, but the Cowboys one was very different. It was pretty much just this, this story about Post Malone being the postman coming to the star and playing beer pong with, or he delivered the schedule and then he played beer pong with Jerry Jones. And then at the very end, it's like in the last five seconds, they show like the schedule and it's like a graphic. If you look at the other schedule releases, uh, the the Peyton Manning Broncos one was another one of my favorites. Um, that was similar because it, it tapped into Peyton's acting skills, but it was very much reminiscent of, I think, you know, the This Is Sports Center type commercials. Yes. Um, that's pretty much what it is in a nutshell. But they're very similar to the Cowboys. They they told the story and then at the end they said they said, Here are the opponents. Well, it, I think it, it was the Broncos, like, it was pretty long. It was just like, here's an SNL skit, and then we're gonna give you the schedule at the end, which is almost yes. what I think we're gonna see more of moving forward. For that like exact that. reason we talked about. It. I like it too. Yeah, just kind of we don't have to limit ourselves to the schedule. Let's just be creative and or funny. And then we'll say, okay, at the end of this three minute video, here's our schedule. Yes. So as somebody, and this is a super like how many schedule release nerds are there out there? Like I'm probably one of them, or um maybe just uh, you know, pe- creative people in this space, but I mean, seeing those two videos, like it made me rethink, like, like, obviously I'm now in the NBA with the Bulls. I think the NBA schedule release is very different, but um, it made me rethink, you know, the structure, what, how teams can release their schedule in the future. Cause like you said, it, you, it can just be like a, a fun, entertaining SNL sketch. And then you, not to throw in, but that's what, I mean, the Cowboys and Broncos did. They just put out the schedule at the very, very end. They just tied that plot point into whatever sketch they were doing. I thought it was both of those were, were two were, were probably, I would put those two in my top three with the Falcons. Okay. That, that works. Top three is great. What do you think uh, kind of on that note, you know, what do you think makes a good schedule release video? I think last year in the middle of the pandemic, we saw a little bit more heartfelt, schedule release videos, you know, was uh, either featuring maybe first responders, healthcare workers. It was the saints, you know, going out into the community, providing, you know, maybe food to people who were down on hard times. So we saw that element a little bit more last year, but traditionally there is the either comic aspect of, I think the chargers usually do a good job of just being irreverent and funny and maybe off the, off the cuff. But then we also see, I, I think of last year, the Panthers got really creative with their uh, like day at home motif that they did. That was uh, great. I really liked that one last year. And then, of course, you know, the Game of Thrones one wasn't necessarily funny, but it was like it was it was something that was a blend of. Oh, this is really cool that they're referencing or playing off of something that everybody sees every Sunday and is the biggest thing 
you know, in pop culture right now. And they're doing a really good job of that. And then also hear little Easter egg jokes to really push it over the top. What do you look for in a schedule release video or what makes a good one to you? Is it showing the schedule as they go? Or do you even care about that at this point? And you just are like, entertain me. And then I'll look up the schedule online if I have to. <laughs> so I would say with the Game of Thrones one, part of the reason, and remember there were two other, two other NFL teams did a Game of Thrones theme. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it worked particularly for that year in that moment, because remember 2019 was the last season of Game of Thrones. And I believe the season premiered the last season was a few days before the NFL schedule release. So Thrones was already on people on top of mind. And um, I used that tidbit when I pitched it to our, to Dan, uh, our digital director. <laughs> but I mean, you ask what makes a good schedule release? You're basically asking like, what makes good content in my opinion? And I think for me, it's just what, what can the content bring out emotions in you? And that could be whatever. Like uh, the Saints are arrivals and they did the, First responders s schedule release. I loved it. I'm gonna be yeah. honest. Like, uh, I think I said that in one of our Falcons group chats, and I got I got roasted. But I thought it was great. Like, like if you can, if I can watch any video, like schedule release or not, and I I feel some type of way about it, or I want to send it to my friends, or um, it makes me laugh, or like like what whatever it is, like that's like good content <laughs> always wins in the end. That's why I th- I think it's tough. Like some of these schedule releases are very, very creative, right? But they don't necessarily make you, and I don't want to like say any particular ones because people might feel differently about different ones, but you can have a cool idea, but it's cool when you watch it only one time, you know? Yeah. Um, for example, like with the, I mean, with all the ones I've mentioned, like the Falcons one is, is uh, was great because um, there's so many Easter eggs. It's like beautifully animated. Like it's funny. Uh, the Cowboys one was great. Cause I mean, one, I mean, one, I'm, a, I'm I do like post Malone, um, <laughs> but seeing like the interactions with him and Jerry Jones, like how often do you see Jerry Jones react? Like the yeah, Peyton one was funny. Emotion. Yeah. It's like, what makes you good content? That's pretty much what you're asking. Um, and I think, I think that's where it has to start. There was a lot of really creative ones uh, this year. I think this year was probably the strongest as a group in my personal opinion. I think I would agree with that. And I think that speaks to, again, it's becoming more of a holiday for the creativity within each NFL organization and not just because, well, now we'll find out like in what order the 17 games are, which you can, again, I, it's almost like day three of the draft. Like you don't have to sit there and watch all of it. Just look it up tomorrow. Like it's not really that you, you can spend your time on, on something right. else. And that's how I feel like schedule release used to be, but now it's, you almost circle it on the calendar because you know, well, I'm going to spend probably an hour looking at all of this content that NFL teams are, are putting out. And most of it is starting to be really good. So we've got, wait, uh, let me ask you, did you have yeah. a favorite schedule release that we haven't talked about? Um, not really. I, again, I've, this is my opinion. I'm going to push back on it. I don't need a schedule release. That's nine minutes long. I just don't need, I don't need to watch that much content. I won't, I won't mention the team. If you know, you know. Yeah, you're talking um, about one specific team. <laughs> but, but I, I. Which I thought was pretty good, but I agree. Not, nine minutes is kind of long. The office episodes are 21 minutes. I, I just don't need something that's almost half as long as an episode of The Office. 
for, for a schedule release. That's just me. Some people may love it. I'm sure all those fans loved it. But no, I think you mentioned the best ones. If I was, I just, that, that was my one main takeaway. I really did like the Falcons. I thought they hit the, the tone of what is a really popular show already in, in social media. I, I thought they hit the tone of that perfectly. And I know that they partnered with Bleacher Report. So I'm not surprised that that tone really came through. But I definitely agree for rewatchability purposes. I mean, that I saw some people be like, we want one of these every single week. And I was like, well, you know, it's already a thing that exists out there. <laughs> like, yes, good. You can get one of those. I loved the, the bit with Trevor Lawrence at the very end speaking in the baby voice. I thought that was perfect because if you watch that, you know that all rookies throughout the season speak in a baby voice on that was that show, a joke? Gridiron Heights. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand that. Okay. Yeah, all so that's rookies. a theme in the actual show. I actually yes. don't watch Gridiron Heights. It, okay. It's really good. Like, go watch one of those episodes and it, it's essential. Like, the Falcons nailed it. It's exactly like what you just saw. Um, so I, I thought theirs was really, really good. Really well done. And shout out to um, Austin Hiddle, who I know had a big role in, in putting all of that together. So let's finish up with just like, what do you remember most about your time with uh, the Falcons digital media team? Oh man, what a loaded question. <laughs> I know. And you got three minutes to wrap it up. <laughs> wow. Um, I, this is super cliche, but like the people, yeah, it's a, uh, I really feel like, and I spent uh, my first year was the 2016 season, which um, I mean, if you're a Falcons fan listening to this, you know, that's the Super Bowl year. Uh, I remember uh, before I went up to Flowery Branch, I, I was curious, not a big NFL fan at the time, uh, right before I started. So I did all my research and many people predicted that the Falcons would finish third or fourth in the NFC South that year, end up going to the Super Bowl. It just shows how unpredictable this league really is. Um, I was very, very blessed. Like my first year was <laughs> a Super Bowl uh, year at least being in the game and i know your first year we uh was 2017 right yeah like we uh yeah the team went to the playoffs uh beat the rams in the wild card and this is like a pet peeve of mine like people say like oh the falcons never recovered from 28 to 3 the falcons won a won a playoff game the next year like that's not nothing like i on know the, that's not on a the road. Super Bowl. yeah on the road like you know how many teams like go years and years without you know sniffing up a, a playoff win like I, I I always find it funny people just like to glance over that. Granted, yes, that's not a that's not a NFC championship or a, a Super Bowl, but um Well, and they were four downs away it, from winning the NFC championship that same year. I know. Well it's so, like, yeah, yeah, that's uh and, and that's why, yeah. I mean, obviously like winning is, is fun and being a part of winning, whether you're as a fan or being working in an organization, like um, but it's, uh, long story short, it's really the people that make everything. So incredible. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, you know, you, like the schedule release video is a testament to the creativity of the group and not just one single person. And like you were able to point out, you know, Jenny, who had this idea and Dan had this idea and, and Eric had this idea and all of these different people who a weren't afraid to speak up and share their ideas because it really was kind of a safe environment. It was, I mean, I'm as guilty of this as probably more than anybody of just throwing out the dumbest ideas in the world and just seeing what sticks. And a lot of times it's kind of like, did, did you really just say that? But every once in a while, you know, it, it makes somebody think of something in a different way, or it could just 
start a conversation that, and you never know where it ends up going. And I think the most creative and collaborative environments have an element of that. And I definitely think that while we were all together, it was really humming and, and there was proof of everything. So, you know, Nico, I'm really, I've enjoyed watching everything that, that you guys have done with the bulls. I really, especially all of the photography stuff, because you're getting so good at that and seeing all the pictures of Zach Levine up close while he's dunking are great content. Uh, capture that emotion on his face, you know? <laughs> um, so where can everybody find you? Is there anything that, that I forgot to mention or anything else that you want to add? Yeah. Are you asking me to plug? <laughs> yeah, dude, plug. If you want to follow me, I guess you can follow me on Twitter, <laughs> which is at the Nico Tan. But, um, but yeah, dude, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like everybody else. We, we just all try to get better at our craft. And I know, I don't know how many people know this about you, but you had like an underground podcast series, like during last season that <laughs> had an audience, of what five people. And I like, I was one of them and I listened to them. Like I would literally be in, in the, in a Publix with my AirPods listening to this podcast, oh, this Fal- underground pod- Falcons podcast. Oh, you do geez. and you talk about if, if, uh, if, technically could be a pro bowler and stuff like that. But I don't think I said he uh, could. I, I think that was Matt Haley. <laughs> so don't put that on me. Yeah. Matt was, uh, he was more uh, diplomatic about who, who and couldn't, <laughs> who and who could not be a pro bowler. But yeah, you should bring you should, you should, that should be a podcast for you at some time before the season. Another no, I'd, one. I'd love to get him on, but I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we'll definitely have to do this again as the season gets closer. I know, Neither of us are on the inside anymore, but at this point, we're just fans who can enjoy talking about the Falcons, give our predictions, and talk about big matchups. But you know, most yeah, dude, I wanted to talk about the the, the Falcons offense, Kyle Pitts, <laughs> like Arthur Smith, like what, all right, what we'll, we'll do this again. Do. We'll do this again. Okay, okay, we'll, yeah, bring me back. We'll have to do all of that, but um, tell your family I say hello, and most importantly, go spend go spend some time with them now that the NBA offseason is here. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Later, Nico. Thanks so much, man. All right. That will do it for today's episode of Believe in Falcons. Thank you all for listening. I hope you learned a lot about how, you know, if not that Game of Thrones schedule release video came together, a little bit about, you know, how the really creative people in this industry look at content, what they want to try to accomplish when they create things for a large fan base, for a big tentpole moment. And I think Nico was absolutely a great person to hear from in that regard because he's somebody I have an incredible amount of respect for and I'm very proud to be able to call him a friend. I still can't believe that he, in part, helped put the Game of Thrones video together by communicating in Spanish with a YouTube video creator. That blows my mind. Uh, But If you like today's podcast, please like and subscribe, tell your friends about it, tell your enemies about it, tell people you don't know on the street about it, and leave a comment, let us know what we can be doing better. And I hope everybody has a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.